Welcome to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant Show. My name is Rebecca Whitman, and I'm a success mentor. I believe there are seven pillars of success. Your spiritual life, your physical fitness, your emotional, romantic, mental, social, and finally, your financial life. When you get all seven areas in alignment, you are balanced, beautiful, and abundant. I learned this the hard way. I've always made money. Unfortunately, I spent so much time making money that I never had time for the rest of my life. So, despite not having financial worries, I was never happy. I wanted romance, but I didn't have time to date. I wanted to be in great shape, but I couldn't find a moment to go to the gym. I wanted a more spiritual life, but I didn't meditate. That also takes time. I wanted to read great books and fill my mind with deep thoughts, but I never made the time. I wanted a great social life, not just going to work-related events. Emotionally, I was a wreck because my life was totally out of balance. Today, I earn more money than I ever have in my life, and I work only part time. I have the relationship of my dreams. I'm in the best physical shape of my life. I'm spiritually grounded. I feel fulfilled mentally, socially, and emotionally. My life is in perfect alignment. This podcast will help you discover where your life is out of balance. My mission is to support you in achieving work-life balance so that you can have more fun and freedom in life. On my show, you will get to learn from experts in all seven areas of abundance. My guests have achieved tremendous success in their zone of genius. Are you ready to go to a level 10 in all seven areas of life? You got this. Hi, Charlene Gorzella. Hello, Rebecca Whitman. I am so happy to have you as my guest today on the Balanced Beautiful Abundance Show. Welcome. Thank you so much. And I have to tell you what an honor. I was thinking about you today and our time together today and how much I respect and admire you. And just know that I'm a fan of yours. And you're like a kindred spirit in this world while we don't see each other a lot maybe on Facebook, I just see you be of service in the world in the most dynamic, beautiful way. And so I want to thank you. I'm honored to be on your show today. Oh, it's so nice. I received that. I, I really received that. And that means the world to me because that's my goal in having this podcast and in my coaching and everything is just to be a light for the world and to create fun and freedom to all those who come across my path. And the fact that you are feeling that makes me so happy. So thank you. I acknowledge that. Well, you're welcome. Balanced, beautiful, and abundant is you. You walk in your talk. And what's great is that the abundance part is not because for the sake of money. It's that abundant happiness, abundant joy, abundant financial flow, prosperity that allows you the freedom to do what you're doing. Uh, you totally get it, Charlene. It's, it's not just financial abundance for the sake of accumulation. It's abundant health and abundant love and abundant community and joy and all those great things that you just mentioned. So I'm so glad that you hear what I'm putting down. So I want my wonderful audience to hear a little bit about your background because you have an impressive background and you too are balanced, beautiful and abundant. That's why you're on the show. 
So Charlene Gorzella was the CEO of a successful professional staffing services firm in Chicago for 26 years, and then she moved to L.A., she, she wanted the next chapter of her life to be in the human potential movement, but just didn't quite know how she would fit in. And then she discovered the grief recovery method. So to learn more about this incredible method, you can go to her podcast. We'll talk about that later called Grief Recovery Now. And she also is a huge humanitarian, and she sits on the board of directors and serves on committees that serve the homeless, substance abuse, and animal welfare. So, I mean, you really walk your talk, and you, too, are so much of service in the world. And I've actually always wondered this about you, and I never asked you in person, so I wanted to ask you on the show because I knew this would be a great answer. So the question is, what made you leave your career as a successful CEO in Chicago and move to L.A.? You know, I loved what I did. And I had done it longer than 26 years ago. I'm an entrepreneurial spirit. spirit. I have creativity. And I love what I did. I started young, passionate, energetic. Uncertainty was all over the place. And I was young. And I looked at your background, right? You're from, you graduated from Princeton and all that stuff. And here, I graduated from high school. People say, what college did you go to? I go, I went to SWU which is Streetwise University. And, <laughs> and so it's so funny, you know, we come from two different worlds as yes. far as educationally, but we are, you know, living proof of, you know, how we go forward in the world is, you know, emotionally, mentally, and all that is important for our success in life. But how, what happened? 26 years, I built a company. I bought, I was a recruiter and I worked on commission most of my life. And I bought a company during a very soft uh, business climate. It was September of 1991. And I bought a company that it was slow, so I didn't have a lot of money. And so somebody presented to me, would you like to, I know somebody's selling a business, would you like to buy it? I go, well, let me take a look at it. It didn't, wasn't going to take money for me to you know, take a look. But I believe there is fate in life. And so this opportunity was, was presented to me. And it's a longer story than I'd like to say here, but I bought an existing business for a very low amount of money because of the business climate. It was a little mom and pop shop of a daughter, a mother and a son. And they did so much a year, but I decided since I worked on commission most of my life that I would jump in this. And so anyways, 26 years later, from two people, I had 25 people in my company, multi-million dollar business. And during the time, it was great. But then something started percolating. I wasn't being as fulfilled as I would have liked. And I went through some great markets where I was making lots of money. The business was doing great. And I don't know if you remember that Peggy Lee song for your older audience. Is that all there is? It's like, is that all there is, my friend? And I was like thinking in my life, is that all there is? And I was feeling very um, unfulfilled, not passionate. I was done. You know, I was experiencing pain. And then at the same time, I was squelching it. So there was a level of suffering that was going through it with me. Yeah. I was feeling my soul was being sucked out, even though I showed up every day. And you remember sometimes driving to work in Chicago, going into downtown, and all of a sudden I'd have tears down my eyes. 
Wow, that was of a of a song from my generation. Morrissey says uh, there's a song where he says his job pays his bills, but it corrodes his soul. Yeah, something <laughs> I felt that way. And there's nothing wrong with my business or anything, but it was like my intuition was pushing me forward. And it, I got to a point where I was from pain to suffering. And there's differences with pain and suffering. And pain is something that's a natural reaction to life circumstances or whatever. I was feeling the pain where some people who had maybe had a healthier outlook, I didn't know how to let go, would just say, you know, this is not feeling right to me. I'm going to make a change. Me, I knew intuitively I needed to make a change, but I wasn't acknowledging it. So I got into that line of suffering. And how did you get out? It was weird. I kept showing up and there is something that I learned and I made a decision because I didn't know my next step. I didn't know my big yes yet. So, and what gave me relief from the suffering was, I can't remember who it was. It could have been Michael Beckwith, Reverend Michael Beckwith. And it's like, if you don't know your next steps, it means that you need to be where you are and stay where you are. That's a good one. So I accepted it. And for some reason that clicked and I made most of it for a bunch of years. I wasn't suffering anymore, even though I had bits of like, this isn't right. And I had... I, I believe in succession plans and business and my business was big enough where I was able to identify some people in my office that were ripe for leadership on a day-to-day level. I am more of an entrepreneur. And so day-to-day operational was not me. Yeah. But from entrepreneurial company to a company that's, you know, like a like it's on its own operationally and systems are in place and the organizational way of doing things was just, you know, running automatically. And you just needed someone to run the day-to-day. And so I identified someone in my company. She became president of the company. I became CEO. And it was great because that chapter of me owning the company gave me a sense of freedom and an elevation while it also elevated her. When I finally said yes to, and then I moved to LA and I was moving back. I was living in Chicago in LA. So I was finding my way. Yeah. In this new chapter. And when I said yes to the universe of making a change, everybody was on board. I was afraid that people were thought, thinking I was going to abandon them or, or whatever, but they benefited from my yes. I hope yeah. this makes sense. And so anyways, and then a few years later, the person who um, was running the day-to-day, we started talking about selling the company to a bigger company, you know, setting it up for a big sale. And then one day we had lunch and she said, you know, I want to buy the company. She, during that time, she bought 30% of the company and I was a 70% owner. And so I said, come up with the money and I will, I would sell it gladly. I said, but I want to make sure you're ready. She had, we had talked about it a couple of years before, but she wasn't ready in my eyes or financially ready. And so it's great two years later, and this is a longer story, but anyway, I got it evaluated. I was happy with the numbers sold the company to her and it's great and we still we have great relationship and i always have like whatever's for the highest good of the company yes how i base my decision and so our transaction of me selling to her was not an i thing it was a we thing so it was just so beautiful the unfoldment of the sale 
even it's though so beautiful like when you just really surrender like you did you're like i don't know how i'm gonna get out of this i know it's not right and you're just like open to signs and what happens and you just kind of like you float out of it and i know you probably got a great financial reward and you were able to retire early yeah so people say oh are you retired now i go no i'm rewiring <laughs> you're not retired or rewired i like that you should trademark that I know, you know who did? It was Sherry Lansing who ran studios, movie studios. Yeah. When she left, they asked, you retiring? She goes, no, I'm rewiring. And I had read her book. I was like, that's me. So I decided to take that on. So she's actually the author of that rewiring. So, but it took a lot of emotion, talking about emotions. Yeah, I know you're my guest on emotions. So we have the seven pillars of abundance that, are, that the whole show is based on spiritual, fitness, emotional, uh, romantic, mental, social, financial, and you're my emotional expert. And I know we're going to get into your grief recovery process in a minute because grief is a very important emotion to go through and feel. Mm -hmm. Very, very and important. Just because you're on a spiritual path, it doesn't mean that you stick smiley face stickers on everything and you just say your affirmations and you say that everything's okay because emotions need to be processed and felt and let go. And I'm excited to learn more about this because I feel like I maybe didn't grieve enough for certain, you know, chapters or people in my life. I've had a lot of tumultuous relationships because before the relationship I'm in now, I had a pattern of picking unavailable men. And there was just a lot of heartbreak, like a lot of broken relationships. And I feel that one of the reasons, I think you know I had emergency gallbladder surgery, but the gallbladder holds anger. And I know oh. it, and it just, it stopped working. So I had to have an emergency gallbladder removal surgery just a couple months ago during the pandemic. And I know it's because I did not process some of the grief and anger from these relationships that didn't work out. So I'm really excited to hear more about your method. If you could highlight, are there steps, are there tenets? Like if you could just do an overview of your grief re uh, recovery process, I would love to hear about it, Charlene. I'm excited. Oh, great. I would love to share it. Well, let me tell you what grief is first, like a couple yeah. definitions, okay? Grief is a normal and natural emotional reaction to loss or change of any kind. Of itself, grief is neither a pathological condition nor a personality disorder. Okay. A second definition is grief is a conflicting is the conflicting feelings caused by the end or change in a familiar pattern or behavior. Mm. Let me give you an example. I selling the company, right? Great. So happy it's the next right thing. Then within about a year or so after I sold the company. I started feeling grief, mm. this underlying grief. And while it was a great thing that I did, the, on the flip side, I was grieving um, a knowing what I'm doing, mm -hmm. a sense of certainty I had for being in my business for so long, knowing Chicago, knowing people there, being connected, my ego, saying I'm CEO, I am... Not just the CEO part, because I'm not that type of person, but it was my identity. So I was grieving yeah. this past identity. And also, I didn't like this uncertain feeling I was feeling. 
It was uncomfortable. It was a change of pattern that I had. So while I honored the good thing, because grief doesn't come just from death or tragedy or devastation or whatever. It could be someone who just had a child. Yeah, that's postpartum depression, right? Yeah, and it not even postpartum, but it's a great thing, the baby, but the loss of freedom. Right, right. Waking up, all of a sudden you're not in yourself and you're not in this, I could do what I want. You know, you've got a baby now that's demanding time from you. Yep. And whole life changes. So while it's a great thing, it's also, like I said, with my, um, my selling my company. So what's great is this identity I had after, before I did grief recovery and some other work I did is while I was still attached and taking on, you know, missing this identity, once I did this grief methodology, grief recovery methodology, I don't even talk, well, I'm talking about it now, but I don't hardly bring up, you know, my, I don't relate to the identity anymore. It's a beautiful experience I had for a long time as being a yeah. recruiter and all that. But it's not my identity anymore. I rarely talk about it unless people ask about my life. So that's fun. And then of course you have devastation, trauma, PTSD and all that kind of stuff. That's that's another level. Grief is grief. So what I want to tell people is please don't minimize your feeling. Grief is not intellectual. It's emotional. Mm-hmm. And once you start, I had something with my brother and I felt a little, we didn't have like the closest relationship and some things happened in the family where I feel it sort of didn't do our relationship as brother and sister, right? And one day, and I, as I was exploring this grief work, I'm walking down the street, all of a sudden I felt this grief and I was like, well, he's just the way he is. He's just, you know, it's just the way, don't take it personally and all that. All of a sudden I said, oh my God, I'm intellectualizing what I'm feeling. I'm feeling something in my heart where I feel tears coming up. And then I start intellectualizing of like, oh, he's just him. Learn to live with it. And then I said, no, get in my heart. It was so palpable. I don't even say it. No, if I said that right, that I said, get in my heart. And I just felt I grieved it by, I felt my emotions. I cried. I let go, honored it. And I let it go. And it shifted my relationship with my brother. That simple act of acknowledging the emotional, not blaming him, just acknowledging my emotions. Because there were a lot of years, I'm in recovery, I, I'm very open about it, and in, in I was an alcoholic addict, and I, I'm in recovery for 32 years, happy and health, healthily. But I remember when I first got in recovery and I, I joined a fellowship and I had a woman who was my mentor. She's talking to me and she said, you know, I see you have some issues with emotions. Wow. She goes, let's do this. Call me every day. And I want you to give you, give me your weather report. So I was like, Oh, I can do that. She knew how to work with me because I couldn't identify. I could be really happy, really angry, sad, or whatever. But I would call her. I said, oh, it's a sunny day today. Or, oh, it's partly cloudy. Or it's partly sunny. Or it's thundering out. There's a hurricane or whatever. So that's how it was my emotional. So were you referring to the weather or your emotions? 
Yeah, let's like let's say if it was thundering out or if it was cloudy, I felt a little cloudy. I didn't feel yeah. that great that day. Yeah. But it wasn't like all day, so it was partly sunny too. And if it was sunny, I was having an awesome day. So sunny equaled happy. Right. And, you know, free. And partly cloudy meant, you know, I'm having certain moments of the day that aren't great. But, you know, there are some good stuff during the day too. And then I started studying emotions, especially those little, I don't know if anybody's seen that graph where there's all these little faces. And it had all these emotional next to it. She had me look at that. And I had it on my refrigerator at the office. I had it on my refrigerator at home. So that was my start of the healthy emotional life. And you have to identify what you're feeling first if you want to move through it. But if you don't even know, because, you know, you were drinking and you were, you were masking your emotions. And a lot of people do that. It's, you know, they shop, they drink, they gamble, whatever, internet porn, um, serial dating, whatever they do to not feel their emotions. So they don't even know what they're feeling. They're so used to medicating their emotions. Yep. And in grief recovery that I work with, we have a thing called STIRBS, short-term energy-relieving behaviors. Mm-hmm. So those are like the TV or let me eat some Doritos or whatever. But I have a thing too that's a little bit same, long-term energy reliever behaviors. And to me, those are addictions, soft addictions to the hard addictions. I know me, it wasn't because I just love to drink and party and the, I'm the product of the 70s and the 80s. It wasn't just that. I thought I was a big party girl because I'm a very outgoing person and laughing, easy laugh, but there was something underlying. And I also had a family of origin that when you had a feeling, they squelch it. Oh, you shouldn't feel that way. So I feel like I had PTSD growing up because feelings were squelched. I'm not saying all the time, but significant feelings I wanted to share or cry. My dad used to say, you're crying? Oh, let me give you something to cry about. And then he would spank me or something. You know what I mean? So yeah. those things that are, have affected me as a child, you know, it, it, get, it sort of changes your DNA a little bit instead of being a free-flowing, feeling person. You know, my parents didn't know. You know, they grew right. up in what they grew up. So anyway, so it was great I've done this emotional work. And I'm still learning. It's vulnerable. Grief is vulnerable. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've watched Brene Brown, and she yeah. talks about courage. Mm-hmm. You can't have courage without vulnerability. And I think yeah. vulnerability means you have to sh- be who you are emotionally. And it's hard. And I'm not yeah. saying it's an easy path, but it's like a muscle. Once you start doing it and not blaming others for how you feel and just acknowledging it without any kind of explanation or definition, just go... This is what I'm feeling and share it with someone. I'm feeling this. I don't know if it's reality or not, but this is my reality and I just want to share it with you. So can people grieve without a lot of tears and crying if they just don't have that much access to their emotions? You know, a grief will come in all kinds of ways. Yeah. Not all grief has tears. It's in the work I do. And let me tell you about the grief recovery method. It's an, educa- it's an educational methodology. I am not a therapist. I am not a consultant. I'm a specialist in this educational methodology. I do one-on-ones and then I do groups. There's a seven-week, one-hour-a-week program that I do is one-on-one. 
And then I do a group that's eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And so you go through this methodology and you come from unresolved to resolved in your grief and your relationships. And you go from incomplete feelings about a relationship to a sense of completion. And I think that's where the the freedom comes in. It doesn't mean you forget. Some people don't want to do grief work because they're afraid they're going to forget about who they grieved about or, you know, especially loved ones. It's devastating. And you have, and there's two different things. There's support groups. That is great. And it's a peer to peer model, which I so believe in. And because I'm in a peer to peer group with, you know, the things I've been involved in where we all help each other and give each other different ideas how to go to the next step and change our paradigm in thinking and experiencing through other people's experiences. So you have that, which is great, but you don't want to go down the rabbit hole and just be about the story. Right. So when in grief recovery, because people were questioning, they go, you're getting into grief recovery. I couldn't do it. I go, I'm not saying I'm going to be in grief support. I'm in recovery. So the people I'm working with, and especially the people that I work with, with the Grief Recovery Institute, these people were dynamic people. When I got certified, I got certified and then I got advanced certification. And I was like, these are dynamic people and they're into recovery. And I'm not saying it's an easy thing because you'll go through things, but it's not about the story. We'll talk about the story through certain small but powerful steps that you will take because you've got to put the work in. And work is not a bad word. It's right. like you have to take the time. You have to get educated. You have to put new information. You have to share who you are and your experiences through a beautiful way of doing it. And I feel like I'm their guide and to take them through this. And I am a heart with ears. Oh, you are a heart with ears. So I know it said in your bio that you're such an upbeat, positive cheerleader person. How did you get drawn into the grief work? I know that you're not, you know, a support group, but what is it about this grief recovery that has you so excited? Well, I have to tell you, I would have never thought in a million years, as I had mentioned in my bio, and there was something about me that's always been interested in people transitioning, death and dying. Uh It was, I was never thinking that it was a bad thing because both my parents died very young. My dad died when I was 16. My mom died when I was 29. I've lost pets. I've lost really good friends in all kinds of tragedies, you know, suicides and all that. And so I always thought, what's that next step? And one of my favorite movies is um, Meryl Streep and, oh, I forgot the other guys. It's like Defending Your Life. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see it? It's a comedy. Please see it. It's an oldie but goodie. It's and they, it's a movie about someone, go, you know, dying and going to the next life. And it's so good. And I don't know why I've always had a feeling about that. And I was looking into getting into helping like an end of life type of work. And then I called someone who was referred to me. And his name is Jay. And my sister did. And I talked to him and he's a hospice nurse and all that. And we, I told him who I was, and he started saying what he does. And he said, Charlene, he goes, you know, I just want you to know that kind of work is very isolating. And it's 24-7. And I was like, oh, that's not me. I'm not a person who could work in a place that's very isolating. So he goes, you know what? I am a grief recovery specialist. And let me tell you about it. So he started telling me about that. And before I even met him, when I sold my company, 
I knew about myself that I'm a person who leans forward, let's make it happen. I decided to lean back and be in the allowing and be quiet. That's a big shift. Yes. And when something, I said, I, I just had a knowing that I will absolutely know what my next steps were. And it took two years. And I'm not saying, and I know financially and things like that, that people may not have the money to do that. Yeah. To, to stay that. I was very fortunate that way, but it doesn't have to be their story. This is my story. And so when this came up, when he brought up grief recovery, I was like, that sounds really interesting. He said, you can get certified and check it out. I think you'll like it. And he goes, you can make a profession about it. And the company really supports you. I had started a company before that, even though I bought the company, but it was like, I had to start from paperclip up. Right. This, I said, I don't want to start from paperclip up again. I don't want to build something from scratch. I don't have it in me. I'm 62 years old or I was, you know, 59 or 60 when all this was going on. I want something that I have support. I'm not an employee, but I have a really great supportive company, you know, to back me with this. And all of a sudden, Grief Recovery Institute came in my life, took the certification. Then I got advanced a few years few months later because of COVID to do it on Zoom or and other platforms like that. And it all worked out. And I feel so grounded in my soul that I said yes to this. And the reason why, as I said, it's about recovery and helping people through. It's not about the story, even though that's part of it, that people will go through it and you'll be acknowledged for it. But it's a beautiful way. And I can't really talk about, you know, what the methodology right. is. And it's great because it freed me. That's great. In relationships, too. Yeah, I love the saying, change your story, change your life. Oh, yeah. That kind of reminds me, like, if you can get someone to shift their narrative, then they can be free and have a whole new experience. So I think that's really beautiful, too. So we're all grieving our past normal free lives, you know, now that we're still in a semi-quarantine and we're still in the middle of this pandemic. There's so much uncertainty, you know, who has it, who doesn't, do I have it, do I have the antibodies, like, is it safe to go to this restaurant or grocery store, like, there's, when is the vaccine going to come out, is the vaccine going to be safe? So, we're in a grieving process now. So, what advice or encouragement can you give our listeners about how to deal with the grief that we're all going through as, like, a humankind? Well, I would say be where you are. We are in the midst of it right now. Right. You know, right now could be a time to look at some, like me, I, I miss live rock and roll shows. I love my classic rock, prog rock. I'm going to miss seeing live shows. So I acknowledge that. Yeah. You know, acknowledge the grief, a little thing. It's like, you know, people are dying in a hospital and people are suffering from COVID, but don't downplay your own grief. It's important. Mm-hmm. And this is a time I'm so glad you brought up COVID. And then we have the Black Lives Matter. Right. Um, then we had right before this, the Me Too movement and then the G- LGBT movement. There's something unbelievably going on right now in the world. And with this COVID and even before that, it's like I had a, a, someone on my podcast. It's like a tea kettle, right? And it's heating and heating. And then all of a sudden it blows That's what's happening right now. People are grieving and it's coming out through anger. 
in a lot of other ways. So right now, through all this change that's going on, I believe there is a greater shift happening in our world. And unless we grieve it, it's going to go off sideways. Yeah. And if we can listen to what's going on with us and share, there's a myth that people should grieve alone. Oh, let them be by themselves. They probably need the time by themselves. No. Maybe you have your moments and all that, but, you know, to cry or whatever. But make sure you reach out. Like they say, and you know, you know, share your grief, it's lessened. Yeah. Share your joy, it's multiplied. And I said, feel your feelings. And what I would tell people to do is show up. Even go to the website of gr the Grief Recovery Institute. It's got so much information there. And we also, what's great is if anybody ever wanted to get in this business and get to that next level, because therapists will refer people to me. Because wow. they, they, they don't know the grief. They could be, sometimes you can't go to your next step because you're grieving and you don't even know it. It could be, I grieved my father. My dad at 16 and I did the work on my father. And I, some things came up that, oh my God, I didn't, I don't have a sense of completion with it. And I, had, I, I don't, I'm unresolved about things with relationships because he died, you know, father figures are important. I did yeah. that work and all of a sudden things opened up in my life that just blew my mind. Natural. Like a new relationship. Yes. <laughs> so it's really nice. And I'm like, okay. And I showed up and it's not that hard. The hard thing is the fear. You just have to say, yes, I'm going to walk through it. And hopefully have people, someone told me once, celebrate life. And if your life falls apart, I hope you have people around to help you pick up the pieces. Yeah. Your friends, your family, if they're safe people to be with, you know, emotionally. Don't go right. with someone who's trying to squelch how you're feeling. And, oh, you should feel a different ways. And there's all types of ways to deal with grief, you know, grief, people in grief. And people don't really, well-meaning people will say things to people who are grieving that don't help. Right. And um, so if you want, there's a, a book out, Grief Recovery uh, Method, and then they have a website. I want to help people with their grief so they can go on and live extraordinary lives. And though their life is forever changed through death and loss and all that, I understand it totally. But you can have a beautiful shift through it and be solid as a rock emotionally. So that brings me to my next question is, can you go through grief and still keep your life in balance and be highly functioning in all seven areas of life in your health and fitness in your finance in your relationship? Or does everything have to fall apart while you go through grief? What is your opinion? How do you stay? In, can you stay in balance while you go through grief? Well, how you say imbalance? Um, you may feel off balance. You may feel off balance, but you will be balanced in life on life's terms. Your emotions are life on life's terms. Mm -hmm. If you have a loss, that's why they have bereavement. You may have to take some time. Yeah. You no, know, honor the time, you know, or I'm not saying deep part mentalize, but do the work, you know, do some writing. There's, I, I believe in the grief recovery method, but there's other ways of doing it too. get in a support group. This way you have a chunk of time, give yourself permission. I'm going to be in this support group for one hour. And I'm going to go into it, listen to others. Yeah, be of service. That's a way to be balanced by listening to others and also sharing your experience, strength and hope. And you don't have after that hour, 
you're going to have a sense of freedom. There's yeah. ways of being balanced, abundant, and beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> and I believe that wholeheartedly. And you can be beautiful in the tears. Yeah. And you can be balanced in the tears. It's just what, like I said, living life on life's terms. And that means your own terms in life, which is I am sad, I am grieving, and I'm going to honor that right here, right now. Even if you're in the middle of a meeting and you burst out in tears, people want the humanity. They're not looking for, especially nowadays in live video marketing and, and even in advertising, they want the real. They want now, real, yeah. Great. And they're not looking for the, you know, the polish and all that. And I'm not yeah. saying just be slubby and careless or whatever, but people want authenticity. Yeah. And why not be awesome, you know, authentic? Even it could be in the most inconvenient place. Just be who you are. You know, as I said, you can go down the rabbit hole in the story, but also getting tools to help you, you know, I don't want to say manage. Use some tools because you're not all just the grief or the emotions. Right. You aren't the emotions. You aren't the grief, but your emotions are valid. And get tools as far as, for me, meditation. Get quiet. Do some affirming exercises. I've loved and I've lost, and it was all worth it. You know, even the grief I'm going through. You know, things like that. You all have your own special way, I believe. Read books like yours. Thank you. Yes. Or action steps. Yeah. There are ways of looking at life yeah. that change your whole paradigm. At, at least, least I've read Go moving ahead. It's important too. Moving, exercising, walking. Yeah. You don't want to do 10 marathons because that means it's a short-term energy reliever, you know, where you're squelching your emotions because you're, you just, you want to run 26 miles or 20 right. miles, but do it in a way that's healthy and just acknowledge if you feel you're using the exercise to squelch your pain, but healthy form of exercise is great. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a funny story to tell you about grief and then we'll wrap up the show in a minute. So I was um, going to a grief support group for my dog. You know, one of the greatest losses of my life was my <clears throat> beloved lab bungalow. And I love I that name. yeah, thanks. I went to this um, support group, you know, it was at Agape in LA and people were, you know, they were in a circle and it was, you know, a quiet group and, you know, a tear here and there, but it was like, the feeling was just like quiet. I'm like, this isn't the right room. This isn't the right group. Then I find the pet bereavement support group and people are like wailing and they're crying and they're writhing on the floor and they're passing around Kleenex and they're hugging each other and they're screaming. I'm like, you know, why do you think that is that people like let themselves go so wild with grief over their beloved pet, but not the people in their life? And I was like, wow, that that's something. And then I thought about it. I'm like, you know, with people, there's complications, there's different levels, there's resentment, there's fear, there's, there's so many different levels with a person. And with a pet, it's just, they just give you pure love. It's just pure, unadulterated, unconditional love. And I think that's why the grieving is so pure. You, you, you're onto something there. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
And there's a lot of people when you, when someone dies, a human, it's like when somebody says, oh, I lost my husband too. I know what you're feeling. You don't know what they're feeling because you don't know the unresolved grief or what was not said or said or wasn't done or not done and all that. We all have our individual experience. And with your dog, yes, it's like pure love. And I think as they're getting sick or dying, we just get into a deeper and deeper capacity to love. And it's interesting, the human part. I've never even thought about that. Thank <laughs> you for bringing that up. Like, yeah, there is kind of so many different dynamics between humans. You know, some people on some level, I know they're like actually they're sad that their parent died, but then there was like, maybe there was abuse or maybe there was like unresolved things and they're just, part of them is relieved. It's just, there's so many different ways to grieve. If they were like draining their bank account, you know, taking care of a, a parent in a nursing home or something and, and they were really not able to sustain that, there's, there's financial relief. There's just, there's so many levels and dimensions with the human relationship. and. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's interesting. That's why I, I love your method and I can't wait to learn more about it because everybody has to go through their own journey. Every, every grief is different for every person because every relationship is different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's even the way you look at that person. You know, when you're not in the grief work, sometimes it's like you make them a saint mm -hmm. or the devil and there was no in between. And what the grief recovery method does is help balance that. Yeah. It could even be someone who has been abused. You don't, in a way, you know, where they're just the devil. And, but like your father, who you hate so much, you know, you may find some things that could have you balance that relationship. Right. And or I think the unresolved or, or the resolved grief. I mean, there's some things that come up that it's so surprising and the unconscious. And I think forgiving is so important because yeah. when somebody dies, I think the go-to emotion is always guilt for some reason. Even if you had nothing to do with it, if somebody, you know, died by a drug overdose or drinking to death, it's like, oh, I could have stopped it. I was a bad friend. It's like, people always go to guilt for some reason as, as the go-to emotion and self-forgiveness, forgiving the other person. Those are all, you know, forgiving is so important and letting go. Yeah. And it's not that you're forgiving them, you know, you're forgiving them, but it's not for them. It's for you. Right. So, and people think, Oh, that means I forgive them. I'm saying it was all right. It's not that right. Have you had it? What, what did you have to forgive in your life, Rebecca, that you remember that helped you get to the other side? Well, I was just telling you before we hit record, I just co-hosted a podcast with my ex-husband. I love it. And because I forgave him, I truly let him go and wished him the best and, you know, wanted him to have this wonderful, happy life without me in it. And, I, and it was sincere Then he came back around. As a friend, as a true friend, there's no weirdness or unresolved issues between us because I did the work and we were able to co-host a beautiful panel at the New Life Expo. So I think that was a huge person that I had to forgive. I had to forgive him and myself. And it's just beautiful what can happen when you truly 
let someone go. And I'm not saying if somebody was an unsafe or toxic person, you know, let's say, oh, am I supposed to forgive my ex-husband who was a toxic, mean person? Like, I'm not saying that you always have to reconnect and have that person in your life. Like what happened with my ex-husband at the Best You Expo, but the forgiveness is just, it creates space for like a healthy relationship to come in. It's just, I think it's so important to forgive for yourself, like you said. Yeah. Not and for the other person. That what? Sorry. Not for the other person. You're not saying what they did was right. It's for yourself. So you have space for more abundance and space to move on and manifest the life of your dreams. If you're holding on to something like unforgiveness, that's like blocking you energetically from manifesting what you really want. Mm-hmm. So I, I totally this process is so important. So check out her podcast. It's called Grief Recovery Now. And how do people stay in touch with you, Charlene? I'm sure they want to learn more. You've got everyone so curious about what the method is now. So since you can't tell us on the podcast, so how do people find out? How do people stay in touch with you? You know, there I have, you can go to Grief Recovery Method. And let me get that. You'll probably be able to put it on your um, it on the notes. Yeah, is it a website? Yeah, it's a website. And also I have a, a mini website on there. Yes. It also has my podcast on it and um, other information about me. And also, you know, you can check out my podcast, Grief Recovery Now with Charlene Gorzella. I've, I just started doing the podcast, so I'm so excited. So there's one coming up now. I've got a few more happening in the next couple of weeks. And I would love for you to be on the show in the next month or two, Rebecca, too, because I know you've had your own experiences with grief. I would be so honored. Well, thank you so much, Charlene, for being on the Balance Beautiful Abundance show and sharing your transition from being a corporate CEO to helping people through the grief. And listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We don't have sponsors. The way that we grow the show is through you sharing this podcast with other people. And as we discussed, we're all collectively as a humankind going through grief because we're still in the middle of this pandemic and there's just so much uncertainty. So if you know this podcast can lift somebody's spirits and give them hope and allow them to feel their feelings about what's going on in any area of grief, please share the podcast. It would mean so, 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 so much to me. So thank you, Charlene, for being here as my guest and being my friend. And I can't wait to learn more about this method. And everyone that's listening, have a beautiful and abundant and balanced day. Bye. Bye. Who says you can't have it all? I'm proof that you can. You just have to put your life into balance. Too much of anything, money, fitness, socializing, can overtake your life. When all seven aspects of your life work in harmony, you will achieve the balanced, beautiful, and abundant life you've always dreamed of. Please subscribe to hear more inspiring interviews. Is there someone you know who could benefit from this podcast? Please share this podcast with them. Please review this podcast. Your feedback will help me target your needs and plan for upcoming shows that answer your questions and feature guest speakers that can make a big difference in your life. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Rebecca E. Whitman. Feel free to DM me to book a free balance assessment call. And don't forget, stay balanced, beautiful, and abundant.